0: I want to thank all of you who participated in the prayer vigil on uh, Monday, Uh, and the Lord answered our prayers. Uh, There may not have been a red wave nationally, but there was a red wave on our ballot. Every Republican candidate on the voter guide back there was victorious. Our candidates for the U.S. Senate and House won. Nationally, it looks like the Republicans—I'm sorry, the Democrats—will maintain control of the Senate based on projections that were made yesterday. They'll have 50 seats, which gives them the majority because of the Vice President can vote to break ties. There's still one race to deal with in Georgia. Uh, Herschel Walker and Senator Warnock will be in a runoff on um, December 6th, I believe. Um, That would give a 50-50, but still gives the Democrats control. The House, it looks like, Uh, The Republicans are going to have the majority. It's going to be thin, but they don't need to govern like it's thin. The majority is the majority is the majority, and that's how they need to think. Uh, Our candidates for the state Senate won. The Republicans now have 30 seats in in the state Senate. That gives us a super majority there where we can override uh, any vetoes by Governor Cooper. Uh, the House, we needed to pick up three seats. We got two. And so we have 71 seats there, uh, which is one shy of uh, the supermajority. But we've made progress. In 2018, we were six shy after the midterm election. In 2020, we were three shy and now in 2022 we're only one shy it's a whole lot easier to get one democrat to join with you than it is to get six or three Uh, and i can think of one democrat who i believe would join with the republicans on issues concerning life and i believe that's representative garland pierce from hope county all the judicial candidates won, and, and folks, that is just amazing, and it's tremendous. The Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, will now go from four to three Democrat to five to two Republican. Uh, that is so good that Channel 5 was bemoaning it this morning. So you know it's good when they bemoan something. That is a red wave and we need to thank the Lord for it. But we don't need to stop praying and we don't need to stop working. Now, now, we don't disappear for the next two years. Now we've got to hold those who are elected from the commissioners in Carthage to our representatives in Raleigh and our representatives in Washington. We've got to hold them accountable. We have to write letters. We have to send emails. We have to make phone calls. We we need to go to rallies and marches, and that reminds me of the March for Life in Raleigh on January the 14th. We mentioned last week, if you're interested in in riding a bus, you need to let Brother Jed or myself know by next Sunday. Um, But if not, we'll take both vans. We'll take You can take your cars. We need to be there for that march. We need to visit our legislators. We need to become citizen lobbyists, if you will. Um, That's our responsibility as Christian citizens, and we need to fulfill that responsibility. Returning in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 19, us look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask You to help us to see the things from Your Word that are here, the things of our day, the things that apply so directly to us in this hour. We pray that You would help those who are lost to understand that the day of grace is almost over. Their opportunity to be saved is almost over. We don't want anyone here to have to say, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I am not saved. So we pray that You would speak to those who are lost today. And Father, we ask You to speak to those of us who know You as our Savior. That we would be about our Father's business in these days. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're continuing our studies of Lot and his days. Days which the Lord Jesus said would be like the days when He is revealed. And one of the things that we want to notice is that in these final hours of the days of Lot, there's a particular point around which these events center here in Sodom. There's a particular object that is the, the focal point of the activity in these final hours before the judgment of God is poured out. Notice, if you will, Genesis chapter 19 and verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, "Where are the men which came into thee this night. Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The center of activity, the the point about which the events here revolve, the, the point that we want to direct our attention to is the door. The door of this house. One of the ways that the Lord teaches us is by repetition. One of the ways that He adds emphasis, one of the devices that He uses to get our attention is repetition. And that's exactly what the Spirit of God is doing here. Six times between verse 5 and verse 11, we read about the door... Of Lot's house. I believe that it's the place, I believe it's the point to which the Lord wants to draw our attention this morning as we think about the final hours of the days of Lot, as we think about the final hours before the Son of Man is revealed, as we think about the final hours before the judgment of God is poured out. This door and its application to us is what we want to think about this morning. We've talked in a previous message about the significance of this feast of unleavened bread that Lot prepared for these two angels in verse 3. And I think we've mentioned, um, when you get old... I used to like to say, when you get older. But when you get old, sometimes you you don't remember exactly what you said and what you haven't said. But I think in a previous message, we drew a parallel between Genesis 19 and verse 2 and the church of the Laodiceans, and, and, and specifically... Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. You remember, well here, we talked about how these two angels would not go into Lot's house initially. They told him that they will abide in the street all night. And we, we took that over to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. We're beginning there, I believe, in verse 14. We read about the church of the Laodiceans and how the Lord Jesus is on the outside of that church. And and I've always thought about the church having put Him out. I think it's like what we have here in Genesis 19 and verse 2. The Lord says to the church of the last days, I'll abide in the street all night will abide outside because I do not want to do anything that will give the idea that I approve of what's going on in the church of the last days but the Lord Jesus said in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 3 behold I stand at the door there's our our thought that we're on this morning Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Well, that's exactly what we see here. Again, the door's not mentioned. The door's not mentioned here. But there came a point here where Lot opened the door. And by opening the door, we see him pressing upon these men greatly. Not casually, but greatly. He had this desire in his heart to have, the, have these angels come in and sup with him and he with them. And the Lord is always going to respond to the spiritual desires of his children when that desire is him. And that desire is to have fellowship with him. And so we see this, this parallel, and so there is an, a, an unwritten door here um, in verse between verse two and three. We might call it the first door that we're going to talk about. Lot opens the door, and he presses upon them greatly. This desperation in his heart, the same desperation that you see in the Philippian jailer. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This this same desperation, this pressing upon him. I want to fellowship with you. And so they come in, just like the Lord Jesus said He would in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And we've talked about how the fact that Lot served unleavened bread, when we consider that in the light of Melchizedek, we talked in great detail a couple of weeks ago about Melchizedek, the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, and His bringing forth bread and wine in Genesis chapter 14. When we And Lot was there. Lot was there when he brought that forth. When we consider this this third verse in the light of Exodus chapter 12 and John chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it suggests to us that Lot knew about the Passover. He knew about keeping the feast. He knew about Christ, His Passover, who one day would be sacrificed for Him on the cross of Calvary. This feast in verse 3 is a remembrance feast, a remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, a remembrance of who He is and what He did. And so the next thing we want to see concerning the door uh, that is mentioned, the unmentioned door between verses 2 and 3, but the mentioned door in verse 6 is how Lot leaves the feast. The men of Sodom come and they, uh, they, they surround the house and they are outside yelling, where are the men that came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And so Lot went out at the door. He leaves the feast. He leaves the feast. And he does two things. He goes out of the door. Well, he had to do that in order to get outside. But then Lot does something else. He shut the door after him. We'd like to make an application of that that I think is important. Lot went out to face the men of Sodom and he left the feast behind. He left the remembrance of the Lord Jesus behind. He, He left the gospel message behind. And I believe that's characteristic of believers in this hour. As it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Think about this closed door. This closed door. We want to think about what it pictures. The closed door here, the closed door to the house of the local church, divides our church life from the life that we live in the world. The closed door divides our life into two separate parts, two separate worlds, and we want to live in both of those worlds. It's the characteristic of believers in the last days. We want to come to church. We want to hear the Word of God. We want to stand up and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. And then when the service is over, we want to close the door. We want to close the door to the house of the local church and leave it, leave the truth in here, and go out and face the men of Sodom and live our secular, worldly life. We want to close the door on our true brethren, our true family, and go out... And call them if where people can't hear us. Lot didn't want the angels to hear him call the men of Sodom brethren. Brethren, here's a double-minded Christian trying to live in two worlds. And these last hours, when we go out of the door of the local church, symbolically the door needs to stay open. The truth of the Word of God, the message of the cross, needs to go with us. It doesn't need to be left here. Our life doesn't need to be divided into the sacred and the secular, into the church and the world, into Christ and self. If we're saved, we're to have one life. And there's one life only that is to be manifested in us, and that is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lot went out the door unto them and shut the door after him. And, they, and, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now notice verse 9. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Verse 9, the focus is still on the door. Still on the door. They pressed sore upon Lot, but their purpose is to break the door. There are A couple of things that we can think about in those words. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus gives us one of the I am's of John's gospel. And it is, I am the door. I am the door. And if we insert that symbolism here in verse 9... What we see is that ultimately, the conflict of the men of Sodom is not with Lot. Ultimately, the conflict of the men of Sodom is with God. The men of Sodom may be pressing upon Lot, but their rebellion and their anger and their hatred is against God. Their desire is to break the Lord Jesus Christ. Their purpose is to kill him. Their actions demonstrate the attitude of heart that says, we will not have this man reign over us. We will not have this man reign over us. It's the same attitude of heart that we see in the second psalm. If you want to turn over to Psalm 2 for just a minute... Psalm 2. We'll be coming right back to to Genesis 19, but in Psalm 2, notice what we read. Well, let's read it verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against, together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, notice what they say, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's the attitude of heart of the men of Sodom. That's the attitude of heart toward the door Toward the Lord, against His anointed, His Christ. Let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast away their cords from us. They pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. The men of Sodom wanted no rules, no bands, no cords, no boundaries, no standards, no restraints and what symbolizes what what characterizes that attitude of heart is this coming near to break the door to break the door it's like that in this hour we have a nature that hates god we have a nature that wants to break the door we have a nature that says we will not have this man to reign over us and this old nature never will have him reign over us. This old nature is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so this this what we are wants to break the bands of God's authority and cast away the cords of His Word of His truth, of His righteousness. And you and I, as believers, we may stand here in these last days and we will be pressed sore upon. But the ultimate enemy of the men of Sodom in these last hours is the same enemy as it is here, the door, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are coming near to break the door. Now that brings us to another point about a door. Another application of it. Think about what a door does. The purpose of a door is to separate. The purpose of a door is to divide. And interestingly enough, that is what the door the Lord Jesus Christ said His purpose was. He said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 51, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. He said, I'm the door. That's what a door does. It divides. A door divides the inside from the outside. It divides the people who are within from the people who are without. And here in the final hours of the days of Lot, the men of Sodom wanted to break the door. That's how it is in the final hours of these days of Lot. The men of Sodom want to break the door. They want to break down the separation. They want to break the division between right and wrong and good and evil. They want to break down the division that the door provides between the holy and the profane, take away the distinction, bring those things together until it's just this mixture, this dull gray. No black, no white, just this dull gray. That's exactly what has happened And it's what is happening in this country. Tomorrow is a sad day. The United States Senate goes back into session. And one of the goals that they have is to pass the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, the reason they believe they need to do this is because... The Supreme Court overturned Roe v.ersus Wade, and the Supreme Court in 2015 in Obergefell v.ersus Hodges. By the way, the guy Obergefell that brought that case, I believe he was running for the House of Representatives in Ohio. He lost. (laughs) He was defeated. But in that decision, the Supreme Court uh, made same-sex marriage the law of the land. Well. The Democrats are afraid, and some Republicans, some Republicans, I hope I hope you don't have your faith in the Republican Party, folks. You need to have your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and look to Him and depend on Him, not the Republican Party. Now, 47 Republicans voted for this bill in the House. 47. One of them was Lee Zeldin, who ran for... Governor in New York. Well, it's going to come up now in this lame duck session beginning tomorrow. And what that bill will do is it will put into federal law same-sex marriage. just doesn't matter what the Supreme Court does. But what that act is really going to do, like so many other acts that Congress passes with these um deceptive names the purpose of that bill ultimately is to attack religious liberty in this country i think I, I read to you a few months back what um oklahoma senator james lankford said about this bill he said it removes all protections from marriage it's a top-down mandate for every state to recognize any marriage between two individuals. That could include any new marriage definition that a state chooses to adopt. He said, in all likelihood this bill will then come, will then come straight at every nonprofit that believes in traditional marriage. That's you and, that's you and me, this church. Any tax-exempt group that upholds scriptural marriage will be challenged on their tax policy and will immediately become a target of the the federal government. Overzealous federal bureaucrats, left-wing legal groups, and LGBTQ pressure groups are no longer saying we demand recognition of same-sex marriage. They're now saying we're going to crush anyone that opposes our belief in gay marriage. They want to take it to the next step and then use the bill as a weapon against others after this bill passes. That is what the bill's purpose is. We began this message this morning by talking about the need for activism. Well, it's needed now. We need to contact Senator Burr. Senator Burr is done. He will leave office in January and so there's a sense in which he, it doesn't matter how he votes in his mind. He's not going ever be running for re-election again. I haven't heard how he, how he intends to vote. So tomorrow we need to call his office. We need to send him emails. We need to flush him out. Find out where he stands. But we need to tell him where we stand. We know where Senator Tillis stands. He stated publicly and to several of us, I know several of you uh, wrote him a letter, emailed him a letter about your concerns, and we all got the same reply back. No personalization at all. We all got the standard form letter that says, I'm voting for this. He's worked really hard on this bill to get it passed. Who's he worked with? The two LGBTQ senators. Tammy Baldwin, and and Kristen Sinema. And what he has supposedly done, he says, is to address the religious liberty issues. Folks, I'm glad I took my blood pressure pill this morning. This is the problem with the Republican Party. He is a microcosm of what's wrong with it. Why not fight the premise? Why accept that gay marriage is acceptable and just as good as God ordained marriage? No, no, no. We're going to accept that, but we're going to republicanize it, so to speak. Folks, when you accept the premise, you've lost. You've lost. Remember the the little saying that we've been talking about. You don't have to choose evil. You only have to refuse to choose good. And you'll drift fast enough toward evil. Senator Langford has raised these issues and they're not addressed in this bill. I don't believe that Senator Tillis is going to change his vote, but we should let him know that we haven't changed our opposition. let him know that we haven't changed our position either. Now I want you to look at verse 10. Well, let's let's read beginning in the middle of verse 9. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. Notice in this 10th verse that when things reached this point, when the men of Sodom came near to break the door, the angels intervened. They pulled Lot into the house To them. They they took him, they snatched him right out of those circumstances. They brought him out of that scene into the house. Verse 10 is a picture of the rapture. When the men of Sodom are pressing upon us sorely, when the men of Sodom are coming near to break the door, when there is no remedy, as Brother Dwight talks about. The Lord Himself, not two angels, the Lord Himself is going to descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel. But the Lord Himself is going to descend from heaven And as the men of Sodom are drawing near to break down the door, pressing sore upon the people of God, he is going to pull his people into the house, into his father's house, where he is gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, he said in John chapter 14, there we may be also. And then verse 11 is going to happen. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The Lord's going to do exactly what these angels did. He's going to shut the door. The day of grace is going to be over. Your opportunity to be saved will be gone. And then, verse 11 is going to happen. The eyes of the men of Sodom were blinded. Literally. The eyes in the Bible are a symbol of understanding. And that's what will happen to those who are left behind here when the Lord Jesus comes you won't be struck with literal blindness as these men were but your understanding is going to be blinded the apostle paul describes that blindness in second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 well, let's let's turn over and read that second thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11 and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness You remember that these people in Sodom had an opportunity to believe the truth. We talked about that back in Genesis chapter 14. The Lord won a great victory and presented in the bread and wine the cross of Calvary. He won that great victory to give those people the opportunity to choose. The opportunity to choose life and they rejected it. They rejected it because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so, what happened to the men of Sodom is going to happen to you. You're going to... God's going to send you a strong delusion and you're going to believe a lie. And you're going to be damned because you believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The Lord Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The central point in the final hours of the days of Lot was the door. It's the central point now in the final hours of this age. It's never been this late before. The Lord Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Do you know Him today? The door of salvation is open right now. And you can enter that door right now. You can pass from death unto life by humbling your heart, by repenting of your sin, and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ in Him alone to be your Savior. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank You for these moments that we've had to consider again the door, the door, The Lord Jesus is the door. It's by Him that we enter in. It's by Him that we pass from death unto life. We pray this morning that you would help us to think about these things, to see the importance of this door in the late, late hours of this age. And we pray that if there are any here today who are lost, that they would come to the door the Lord Jesus Christ, trust Him as their Savior, and pass from death unto life. Father, if we know You today, help us not to close the door when we leave here. Help us to to leave that door open, to take that message with us, to, to have one life that we demonstrate to the world, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would just help us to think on these things today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.